And we're back. Another episode of Around the Nest 2.0, Season 2, audio only. Good to be with you as always. Tyler Zickel from Vancouver. We're nesting light today. No AAA Pat, but as always, we've got AA represented by David Korzanowski and the one, the only, Andrew Triplett coming to us live outside today. So, Barring an eclipse, of course, or any sort of supernatural event, maybe the James Webb Telescope can see something coming in. But we've got all lit up down there in Singale as well. Uh, gentlemen, good day. AT, good to see you specifically. I got to see David Korzanowski in person, live in the flesh last week. So now you and Pat are the only two members of the Nest who I have yet to meet IRL. We got to get you down to spring training for a, uh, a meet. I think 2023 happen. feels really good for a little... Uh, complex tour uh, maybe an at uh culinary adventure you got to take me around yeah. all the different spots in Dunedin that you like to eat at and the places that keep you sane during the dog days of summer which we're in the midst of right now oh yeah we'll, we'll figure something out when you get down here and uh decors for you you were telling us before we started recording you're in reading and you had a cold reading press box hot dog a legend there in baseball town things going uh better for your stomach than the canadians or i should say the canadians the fisher cats offense right now Yes, two shutout losses uh, to Reading this week, but obviously six-game series, so you can still win the series. Uh, got to start it off right tonight at 7 o'clock. Yes, I did have a cold press box hot dog, and it was still delicious, so no complaints here. We're going to kick it back down to the lowest rung at the ladder. Well, not the lowest rung, but uh, the most foundational level of the A-levels, if you will. AT, we'll bring it back to you. The boys are in St. Lucie this week. Florida State League weather washing away that first game of the series. A doubleheader loss yesterday, but couple of games where you're not totally out of it and now you're going up against the Mets for the rest of the weekend so as we do each episode here on Around the Nest give us that 30,000 foot overview since the last time we talked a couple weeks ago yeah I mean we started the second half hot we uh I think we started at seven and two um at the top of the standings have fallen off some um I think in that winning uh, you were seeing the the offense hit well timely hitting I mean Rainer Nunez still could win MVP of the league and to do that in the Florida State League isn't easy you don't just roll out of bed hitting 300 in the Florida State League and then we got the return of Gabby Martinez which is always uh it's great to have him back after he uh broke his haymate bone I believe in the hand um which Wander Franco just did uh, as well um so to have him back in his first at bats a home run uh you kind of felt like it brought some life back into the lineup uh so just to have him around great guy in the locker uh, in the clubhouse as well so it's been fun to see him um, again, we're just uh, timely hitting, uh, every once in a while, not there, um, pitching, uh, we've lost a lot of bullpen. It feels like, uh, to Vancouver and starters as well as Trenton Wallace will probably make a start here in the next couple of days for you all another well-deserved call up. So, uh, it just seems like people keep, uh, getting promoted, which is what we want to see, but, uh, inconsistency. It does feel like this season in my five seasons in the Blue Jays org, there is a lot more back and forth between these three lower levels of the minors. We're going to count AA New Hampshire as part of the lower levels. I'm using air quotes on our audio only podcast, but certainly it seems like there's a lot of movement. And that's what we talk about on the Around the Nest. We talk about the development. We talk about the 
balance between getting guys individually better and then winning at each level because of course winning breeds development development breeds winning you've had lots of stops and starts for each of the rungs on the ladder hot stretches cold stretches pat not here to talk about the recent lack of success for AAA buffalo and so we'll get into that two weeks from now hopefully with a lot more wins and pat returns to the nest for the next episode but this is a dunedin team that's eight and eight in the second half an opportunity to continue to do some damage and even as you lose some of those guys who will get to when we go back and forth about what's been going on with the Canadians they're finding ways to win Donnie Murphy and the coaching staff finding ways to make good with what they've got obviously when you have talents like uh Rainer Nunez doing their thing it makes things a little bit easier I would love to roll out of bed and hit 300 in any league whether it's a beer league or the Florida State League but they're somehow finding a way and you just got to stay in the mix for the stretch one which for the first 16 games of the second half it seems like Dunedin has been able to do just that yeah, I mean, I think another big part of it uh, that people will love to hear, I think, is Desan Brown at the top of the lineup. He's kind of been that steady force since he came back from his uh, IL stint as well. He's he's just uh, turning into a real professional hitter, putting together good at-bats at the top of the lineup, being that guy that can go to other hitters, let him, let him know what he's seeing in his first at-bat, um, and really just passing that information on. So hopefully as we get into the second time through the order, uh, we get a chance to really uh, tag the, the starter and get him out as soon as possible and hopefully start to get to those bullpens. Well, I'm really glad you got to DB because our Twitter follower, Jerry Mack, big listener to the podcast, had hit me up earlier today with some Twitter questions, and he was one of the subjects of those questions. So thank you for reading my mind, and thank you for getting there. That's certainly somebody we can all be excited about. And uh, should I be counting down the days until I have another addition to the Canadians roster? I mean, with... Uh... Barge uh, leaving for double A. Um, and there doesn't seem that there has been a replacement yet. Uh, maybe with the return of Riley Toronto, which is great to see him back and great to have him in Dunedin for a couple games, see him hit a home run. Um, but hey, you never know. We'll, uh, we'll see what happens, but we're, we're hoping we can keep the team together and try to make a playoff run. Certainly been great to uh, be able to take your guys, if you will. It's been something I've been going on and on about each episode, it seems like. It's not an opportunity for Dunedin to necessarily have that cohesiveness, but as we were already alluding to, you just got to find a way. And again, Donnie Murphy and company, of course, the players very much responsible for some recent success and a lot of good happening down south and certainly something that we can look forward to in terms of a better second half than first half. It was just a rough start for the DJs this year, but it seems like everything's been refreshed. We're getting that similar experience here in Vancouver as the Canadians are a league best 10 and six in the second half and have a chance to win their season high fifth straight game tonight against their former roommates, the Hillsborough hops. But, uh, would love to get your perspective on Trenton Wallace, a guy who is going to make his C's debut. I believe it's going to be tomorrow. That's going to be Friday the 15th in the stead of Ricky Tiedemann, who will pitch on Saturday at uh, oh Dodger Stadium under the bright lights of Hollywood at the ballpark he used to go to as a kid growing up in Long Beach. Another great story for the Southpaw, but uh, give us a little insight about Trenton Wallace. Yeah, I think it's an arm slot thing and just him being a lefty and uh really just mixing his pitches well lately. I mean, to give up, he didn't give up a run in 17 innings uh, in the Florida State League and maybe feel like he could have won our third straight uh, pitcher of the month award and just uh, maybe needed a couple more innings to make that happen. But he, he's just been dominant. He's not going to overpower you in any sense. Um, but he kind of just, he just mixes his pitches well with his fastball and his slider and his changeup. And it's been working well. And I think uh, we've seen a lot this season, especially in, on our staff, when a guy gets hot, they seem to stay hot for quite a while and then get promoted. 
Um, obviously with Ricky, uh, Dion Santos uh, had his great month of June and um, Trenton Wallace as well, just followed suit. And it was, it was great to see. And hopefully he can continue it uh, with you on Friday. Uh, as I had known with Ricky, uh, somewhat alluded to with Ricky uh, getting to make the Futures game. So excited for him and uh, interested how the clubhouse took that news and uh, celebrated with him. Yeah, it was a great moment for sure. Guys were really stoked. And uh, obviously, Ricky's a guy that's easy to root for when you're his teammate because he's not one of those guys who allows his extreme talent to get in the way of him being a good teammate and a good guy. He's always out there on the back, or I should say the far side of the dugout. It's a little bit cramped quarters here at the Nat and the dugouts. Of course, people were smaller in 1951 when they built this ballpark, but you'll have guys like Chad Dallas, Ricky Tiedemann. Typically, it's the starting rotation and some reserves hanging out just beyond the dugout. Those guys are really in it. That's like truly the cheering section. The other day, Garrett Spain tripled, and then we had Chad Dallas doing some really great dance moves right behind him on MILB TV. And Ricky's at the center of that. So I don't want to go so far and say he's a, a unicorn, but he may very well be a mythical creature because he is so good on the field and so terrific off the field. He, he was on Blair and Barker in Toronto at 8.30 a.m. the other day, Pacific time, of course, has not said no to a single media request, no matter how big or how small. And that's just a testament to his upbringing, but also to the character that he has developed. It also helps when you're the youngest, uh, the youngest kid. You're going to definitely uh, learn how to uh, find your way and uh, navigate some of the perils of being the youngest sibling. But certainly, I, I've got nothing but high marks for Ricky Tiedemann. And somebody's got high marks for you there, AT. What's going on down there in, in St. Lucie at the moment? Michael Dominguez making a start today, and he's just, uh, I guess, getting in the zone. So coming Keeping outside it loose. And, uh, yeah, exactly. We love it. Uh, well, as we look ahead, the All-Star break coming up, you got just three home games for the rest of the month spending the rest of the month on the road. But as you look ahead to really the dog days of August, what are some crucial series in your mind? If you've thought that far ahead, because I know we take it day to day in this business, what are some crucial series that could be an impact maker for Dunedin's playoff chances? Yeah. I mean, I think you hope that the all-star break gives a chance to kind of just reset. And, uh, you get a team against Fort Myers that we had success against at the start of the second half. So four games against them, uh, at home, hopefully gets you off on the right foot coming off the all-star break. And if you can win those four games and go into a Clearwater series where, again, you feel like you're kind of at home and only making that 10-minute trip, you can go on another run on a team that's kind of been middling as well. Uh, you got a chance to to hopefully get in the top spots. And then we play uh, Tampa towards the end of the season. And they're at the they're at the top of the, the, the uh, playoff standings right now for the second half. So if we can uh, get close and then have a six game series and maybe get four or five. Uh, I think we gives ourselves a chance. We'll be rooting hard. That's for sure. And certainly an opportunity for the DJs to make some noise in the Florida state league. As we wrap things up, even without Nick Frosso and thank you AT for giving me the cue card of frost bro. Cause I hit him with that after his Northwest league pitcher of the week award-winning performance in Everett on independence day in the States last week. And uh, he loved it. It was terrific. I mean, Frost bro, indeed, four shutout innings, one walk to his second to last batter in that fourth inning was one strikeout shy of tying the league record for consecutive strikeouts. He went eight punches in a row from batters two through nine, starting with the 2020 unanimous AL rookie of the year, Kyle Lewis, who was rehabbing with the frogs over the course of last week. And then he struck out Lewis again after Noelve Marte, the top prospect for the Mariners, popped out to end the stretch of eight consecutive case. So Frost bro, broing out 
in Everett indeed. And although he didn't have as electric stuff on Tuesday night here at the Nat, still looked really good, made one mistake, a top 30 prospect for the Diamondbacks, Ryan Bliss, just ran into a 95-mile-per-hour fastball that he hit a long way to the top of the neutral zone here at Nat Bailey Stadium. And uh, other than that, Nick, certainly as advertised, though the pitch count, something that has continued here in high A as well. That was something that limited him down in Dunedin. Uh, do you happen to know off the top of your head what his uh, longest inning performance was with the DJs? I believe he went four. I don't believe he's ever gone five because he never got any wins uh, while he was here. But he certainly led quite a few games when he left. Yeah, 100%. And so uh, we'll see if we can touch that fifth inning. I would take a couple of immaculate innings from him to get him to that fifth inning under the 60 pitch limit, which seems to be right around where he's at. I think uh, something that kind of is a detriment to him is all the strikeouts because <laughs> you, you got to use pitches to get those strikeouts. So it's great to see. But uh, when you got a, a limit, it's tough to, uh, to keep going in five when you're striking everybody out. Well, I'll say this. There is no limit to the gems we get from single aid Dunedin and uh, AT as always appreciate the interesting perspectives. And I promise we're not trying to take every single guy from the Dunedin roster to add to the Canadians chances at their fifth Northwest league title since 2011. But uh, how about just an opportunity for multiple rings throughout the system? Yeah, let's make it happen. It's all going around here down the season. A hundred percent. Speaking of going on runs, a guy who may not want to go on a run after one of those Pretz Box hot dogs in Reading, David Korzanowski, D. Kors, good to see you coming to us from America's Classic Park in Baseball Town. That's Reading, PA, as the Fisher Cats take on the Fightin' Phils, the R-Phils, the Fightins. They've got all sorts of nicknames there as the hot dogs go flying. How you doing? Things are going well. Uh, looking forward to tonight's game, 7 o'clock start. It will be Sean Mellon getting his first start of the season. He's only made four in his professional career. It's going to be a bullpen day because Zulueta is going to that futures game as well. He'll be pitching at Dodger Stadium. So Jim Sikowski, the pitching coach, goes to the bullpen day today, and we're looking forward to seeing it. I agree with you. Uh, you, you said it right before we hopped on uh, and recorded, but this is a really nice ballpark, and it's uh, been fun to sort of explore some of the local spots here. Also, it opened uh, the same year as Nat Bailey Stadium, 51 couple of great ballparks on opposite sides of the continent but you know what that's what makes baseball one of the greatest games ever created or for me the greatest game ever you got the combination of the new and the old and somehow we've installed a pitch clock here at nat bailey stadium and back in 1951 i know they were not thinking about 14 seconds in between each pitch with nobody on base and interestingly enough last night the final out of the game here at the nat was recorded with a called strike three because the batter for Hillsborough was not in the box when the clock hit nine. Wow. The tying run was in the on-deck circle, so the Canadians leading 4-2. Justin Kelly, another former Dunedin Blue Jay, on the hill looking for his first save in high A. And, uh, yeah, it definitely was an anticlimactic way to win, but at the end of the day, a W is a W. Justin gets his first save. The Canadians win their fourth straight, and they get their league-best 10th win. So you take what you can get. Pitch clock certainly making its own impact felt and uh, maybe can get your hot take on this, David. I feel like the umpire should have some discretion when the game is on the line in the ninth, whether it's you turn the pitch clock off or there's some sort of mutual agreement between both teams where, look, we get it, the pressure pack situation, you might need a couple of extra seconds to think about it because now if that rule gets enforced as it was last night, baseball turns into a little basketball or football where you could try and maybe run out the clock. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I haven't had a, a situation quite like that where a game's ended on a, a pitch clock violation. I have seen that some umpiring crews are a little stricter than others. 
And I know that you know this from the time that you spent in New Hampshire as well. Uh, I wear a lot of hats out in Manchester. And one of the hats that I wear is helping to teach uh, some of our pitch clock operators how to work it. And I, and the way that I describe it is I'm like, it's an inexact science. You're supposed to start it when the pitcher catches the ball at the mound. And that's when the clock should reset. Some umpires will wave it off and say, reset it. And, and they like to give a little, you know, extra second or two. Um, so I've seen some crews be a little bit different and some stricter than others. Uh, I, I agree though. I, I would not like to see it affecting the outcome of games. Uh, we hope that what happened with you guys last night, even though it was a win, right? Obviously a win's a win, but uh, you don't want that to become the norm. Yeah. Is it worth it? Let me work it, lay down, flip it and reverse it. Indeed. In terms of teaching <laughs> those people how to run that pitch clock. Now, I got a great chance to see the Fisher Cats in person at my old haunts, Delta Dental Stadium in downtown Manchester last week. What a treat that was. And thanks for your hospitality. That was great to have a chance to get in kibitz with you in Section 10, some of the best seats in the house and seats I'd never sat in in three years of dancing around that stadium as the on-field MC and director of promotions and entertainment. But lots of great stuff from that Fisher Cats win. I got to to see an Arelvis Martinez moonshot. I got to see a Rafael Lantigua Apo Taco for a three-run blast to ice the game at the end. And the boys looked really good against one of the better teams in the league, the Hartford Yard Goats. And coincidentally enough, that night, uh, it was the former Spokane Indian as of the week prior, Tony Losey, who got the start for the Yard Goats, a guy who I'd seen go against the Canadians a couple of times. So selfishly, it was good to see the Cats stick it to the former Indian right-hander and a guy who uh, certainly plays the game with his own style of flair. But this, the Canadians and now the Fisher Cats, guys like, David Schneider, Trevor Schwecki, obviously familiar with a lot of the talent that has come up with them in the Eastern League. And another another new talent, Addison Barger. He's made a nice introduction to Eastern League action over the last couple of nights. Paced the offense yesterday, if my eyes did not deceive me, with two singles of the four or five singles for the Fisher Cats offense. So certainly a great injection for Cesar Martins Club, but at the same time, you need all nine guys to contribute. Yeah, let's start with that Hartford series. It was a 3-3 split. And there were some really bright spots, especially on the pitching side. Fisher Cats actually had the most strikeouts in all of double A in last week's series with 71 season highs for Zulueta with eight. Uh, this is double A season highs. Zulueta with eight, Braden Scott with five, Parker Caracy with four, Mellon with four and Rui tied a double A season high with four as well. Pitching looked really good. A lot of strikeouts um, and they actually set a season high it wasn't 24 AT. It wasn't 24 strikeouts, but they had 17 strikeouts in a close loss on Thursday night, three to one. It was just two runs in the ninth inning that won it for the yard goats. It was a three, three split. One thing that I've noticed, you know, looking through our, our day by day at the, at the back of our game notes, there's only been one series where it hasn't been a four, two margin of victory or closer. So it was a six to one loss six to one series loss to the Somerset Patriots. That's the most lopsided series. The Fisher cats have played all year. Otherwise the series are going four, two two four or three, three. They're holding serve with pretty much every team in the league. Um, and Hartford, I think there were some bright spots. You had Aurelvis Martinez with his first two home run game at double a, that was the game that you were at. And then a close loss in a, in a boat race on Sunday, 10 to seven here against Reading bats have been a little bit quieter. But let's talk about some of those guys from the Canadians who've come up. I mean, Barger hasn't missed a beat. He's made two starts at double A, two for four both times. And, uh, you know, he was really confident in the box. All of them singles so far. Almost had an RBI or Elvis Martinez was thrown out of the plate in yesterday, uh, two days ago in Tuesday night's game. Um, Trevor Schwecki's hitting over 300 in the month of July. He's hitting 310. 
since the calendar flipped to July 1st. And Davis Schneider had his first double-A home run on Sunday against Hartford. So what I've seen is these Canadians uh, come up and, and really not skip a beat. Also, kind of an abundance of talent in the infield right now. Um, you see Luis De Los Santos, who traditionally is playing either shortstop or third base, who's gotten some action at second just because um, they haven't been able to you know, find a spot for him night in and night out at short and third with Herrelvis at shortstop. Barger's gotten two starts at third base. So I, I like what I've seen from the infield and the bats in, in, um, in that capacity. One thing that I've seen with the Fisher Cats, they just rely on the long ball a lot. So if you look at the last two games against Hartford, their win on Saturday, five to four, all five runs scored on homers in their 10 to seven loss on Sunday, all but one run scored on a homer. And then in this Reading series, no home runs, and they haven't scored yet in two games. So I've seen a little bit of a reliance on the long ball. We saw that a little bit earlier in the season. They had some nice situational hitting. We're able to string together, you know, some 10 plus hit games early in the second half of the season. But I think they're going to need a little bit more of that as the season continues. Well, certainly a guy who knows how to slug it in Addison Barger, 14 homers to lead the team and to be among league leaders before he got promoted. That was a guy who was in the oven and cooking for a lot longer than he needed to be here in high A. But you mentioned it, David. It was the glut of infield defense in double A that kept Barger here in Vancouver for longer than his talent certainly said. And that also makes me feel good that number six Blue Jays prospect Leo Jimenez is going to stick here for the entire season. One, he just turned 21 years old. And two, he hasn't been as healthy as he would have liked through the first half of the year, but he is coming on strong. Back-to-back four RBI games, Sunday in Everett, and then Tuesday here in Vancouver. And although he went hitless yesterday to end his hitting streak at five games, still found ways to contribute in an incredible leaping grab at shortstop to rob a base hit from Hillsborough and a guy who certainly had shades of Fernando Tatis Jr. Can you tell I'm a Padres fan who's just hurting for El Nino to make his way back? That's a whole nother podcast conversation, <laughs> but uh, certainly glad to know that Barger making his contributions right off the bat, both pun and intended and unintended, because that's a guy we miss dearly. But I talked to our hitting coach, Ryan Wright, yesterday, and he was saying, look, now that Barger's gone, we're going from home runs to triples. The Canadians leading the Northwest League with 28 triples this year. Garrett Spain has tripled in back-to-back games and certainly a team that uh, knows how to run the bases. But this is something you can testify to when Stuart Baroa is at the top of your lineup. You're going to be running. There's going to be a lot of action on the base paths for better or for worse. A couple of times the Canadians have been overly aggressive, but Stu among league leaders, he cracked 30 stolen bases last night. He stole four bags yesterday and uh, had a newcomer coming up from Dunedin and Francisco Fajardo, who stole home on the front end of a double steal to start score the first of what proved to be four runs in the third inning and in yesterday's win. So Lots of different contributions up and down, and I love to see the different levels of the ladder winning in different ways. Clearly, the Fisher Cats have uh, really put their arms around, hey, we're going to be the team that's going to slug it. Yeah, I think, I think that that's the case. And also, kind of an odd stat that I've seen, they're really good on either end of the game. It's just about the middle innings. It's sometimes the first time that they face a new reliever that they struggle to get the bats going a little bit. But listen to this, the, the two highest scoring innings for the Fisher Cats this year. The first inning with 59 and the ninth inning with 50. They have the second best batting average in the ninth inning in all of double A behind only the Amarillo Saud Poodles. What a name. What a name yeah. uh, of the Arizona Diamondbacks double A club. And then their first inning batting average is right around 280. And that's fourth in double A. Uh, they start games really hot. And a lot of the times they finish games really well, too. Listen to this stat. I just had to work this one in. Luis De Los Santos in the ninth inning this year. 12 for 21. That's five, clutch. 
71 batting average in the ninth inning, three doubles, a triple, and one home run. I asked our hitting coach, Matt Haig, about that, and he said he just doesn't get rattled. You know, some players come up to the plate in the ninth inning, and as much as they want to tell themselves to calm down and it's any other at bat, you know, it gets into the head a little bit, and and sometimes you don't see that production in the ninth inning as much. Not with Daylo. I mean, he's a machine in the ninth inning. Fisher Cats have never really been out of games. They've stormed back in the ninth inning plenty, and John Aiello is a guy who's playing in front of family and friends this week. He's lights out in the first inning, eight for 21, hitting 381 in the first inning this year. So kind of a, a couple notable statistics on either end, but it's about, I think, consistency at the plate for the Fisher Cats. Um, and they've gotten that strikeout total down at the plate. They had a couple rough weeks on a two-week road trip against Erie and Akron striking out, but they've been able to, to wash those bugs aside. And I think it's a, you know, it's a, it's an improving team over the course of the season. And I know that, two straight shutouts, you know, you might think the opposite, but with guys like Tanner Morris and Spencer Horwitz getting promoted, I've actually really liked what I've seen from the Fisher cats being able to piece together hits and runs in those guys' absence. Um, so yeah, those are, those are some thoughts on, on the bats at the plate. Speaking of run production per inning, the Canadians opposite, they do relatively poorly late 24 runs in the ninth, 39 runs in the first, but their biggest innings of production are the sixth and the seventh, a combined 109 runs between those two stanzas alone, 51 in the sixth, 58 in the seventh. So it's like the Canadians now seeing that starter for a third time or jumping on a reliever, the relief core across the league for the various teams in the six team Northwest league here, not necessarily elite uh, lots more talent in the rotation up and down, specifically Spokane and Hillsboro and Everett. Uh, they had the top pitching prospect for the Giants. I should say Eugene uh, had Kyle Harrison, that lefty who is actually ranked higher than Ricky Tiedemann in terms of uh, the powers that be ranking those left-handed minor leaguers. But uh, the Canadians finding ways to make things happen and relying on speed the same way that the uh, uh, the Fisher Cats rely on power. So I'm going to be interested to see as more of these guys matriculate their way up, how that would impact the game plan uh, for the Fisher Cats in the way they score runs. Now, as we look ahead to the rest of this month, you wrap up the series in Reading, 5.15 p.m. getaway day, that ought to be illegal. But they you know it's, the all-star break. It's, it's funny you mention that because I looked at it and I didn't even I didn't even – skip a beat really because we had one that was way worse in may it was memorial day weekend we were at akron the farthest oh, no. we travel all year all year so memorial day weekend people are off on monday oh let's do a sunday game and i think it was either 6 or six thirty. we had an 11 hour bus ride after that we got on the bus at 10 30 we got back to delta dental stadium at 9 30 in the morning on monday so reading is closer than akron and the game is earlier so our worst road trip is behind us uh, yeah, it should be illegal. I agree. I'll bring it up with the, uh, Eastern league commissioner when, when we, uh, sign off the podcast, but yeah, the, uh, the late bus rides are, are something that we've gotten used to a little bit. It's definitely, uh, one of the quirks of life in the Eastern league. Uh, I guess I'm pleased that our longest bus ride is seven hours, but at the same time, I remember coming back from one of those trips with, uh, Ryan Barucki, current, obviously pitcher for the Seattle Mariners. And then also Andrew case, a uh, blue Jays system legend. And Shane Dawson, another guy who uh, was well-known in the Blue Jay system. And uh, the four of us, back of the bus, a couple of Bud Lights were had. The Canadian National Anthem was sung at about 12.30 a.m. at one point. Uh, and this was after a day game coming back from Akron. So, gosh, bless you for uh, handling that. The one thing that the guys have loved to do on the bus, so we usually take a blue bus and a white bus, and the blue bus is always the Mafia bus. There's a group of about 10 guys that will play Mafia Hours. I mean, picking I mean, the mafia. I'm it's it's yeah. I'm picking the mafia, picking the cops. 
I mean, there was one, I think we were driving out to Erie. They played like five hours straight, like into 2 a.m. It, it was, it was unlike anything I've ever seen. And they, uh, they're still not sick of it. So that's been, that's been the biggest uh, entertainment on the bus rides, I think, for the guys so far this year. And that's what it's all about. And that's a nice dovetail into obviously the most pertinent news related to the Blue Jays of late, which is, of course, the managerial change at the big league level as Charlie Montoyo's tenure comes to an end with an even 500 record over parts of five, four seasons. And it's now the John Schneider area era. I've said that multiple times. I've tried to say area, but you know what? It's his era and Schneid's handling the dugout area as the skipper in Toronto. Now, I am biased because John is a personal friend of mine. We had a great 2018 season together. I got to be a part of the gender reveal for his second son. His wife, Jess, is fantastic. Uh, That entire season was magical, even without sweeping the playoff 6-0 to win that Eastern League title. But, of course, you had Vladdy Bowen Cavan. You had Jordan Romano. You had John Birdie, who's now major league leader in stolen bases with the Miami Marlins. You had so many guys who went on to pitch or play in the big leagues. I'm thinking also Travis Bergen, who pitched for the Giants, among others. Uh, Harold Ramirez, who's now with Tampa Bay. And thinking back of different ways that Schneid's really cultivated the good clubhouse vibes, well, starts with just the guy that he is. But then in terms of the bus ride, what he liked to do, specifically when we would go to Hartford, which is, of course, the commuting trip, he would do bus karaoke. So they would bring the speaker on the bus. He would serve as the host. And I remember in 2018 coming back from Hartford after we swept the yard goats. In fact, the Canadians, God, I keep saying that the Fisher cats did not lose a game at Delta dental Dunkin Donuts park. I'll get it right. Here I am. Here I am in high a, as I get demoted from double a, and I can't get the words right, but we all know what I'm talking about. So anyways, Vladdy was singing, um, uh, his walk-up song, which I'm forgetting now. We had Bo Bichette, who was singing Justin Bieber. I want to be. He's got a great falsetto, Bo Bichette. Uh, I remember. You do, too. You do, oh, too. Well, thank you so much. I, I, I may be say, saying that just to show everybody my pipes. But uh, <laughs> that just goes to show you the type of manager and the type of person that John Schneider is. He understands these players. He understands what it takes to be able to mentally prepare and how you need to have balance. You can't get so caught up in the X's and the O's and the stats and the numbers and executing on the field. You're going to go crazy. And he's come up with these guys coming back to Vancouver when he was the rookie level manager, making his managerial debut almost a decade ago. Everybody here in the city of Vancouver still sings his praises. New Hampshire, he left his legacy. He has continued to make his mark no matter where he goes. And uh, I have become since the news yesterday, an even bigger Blue Jays fan than Padres fan in terms of rooting for wins, because at the end of the day, Padres are going to Padre. I'm going to keep the faith no matter what. But John Schneider, I'm hoping they go undefeated in the second half and uh, a lot of great memories from that 2018 season. And I think anybody who you talk to who met John Schneider, who's got a chance to work with him, would tell you the same. There's like a lot of guys on the staff in New Hampshire, Andrew Murray, most notably, who would sing John Schneider's praises for everything unrelated to the on-field success. But even a guy who knows how to have fun, I've played a little Mario Kart with the guy after hours, you know, had a fair share of Rebel IPAs along the way. That's why I believe John Schneider is on his way to a long and successful big league career. Obviously, so many things outside of his control in terms of sticking anywhere, but uh, feeling really good about Schneid's chances. And uh, the legacy continues in the minor league system when you've had a guy matriculate like he's done. Yeah, certainly. I know Tyler Murray, effusive in his praise of John Schneider. And I talked with Andrew Murray, uh, Rowdy Red sends his regards, uh, Zick, by the way. Uh, but I, talk, <laughs> I talked with him about an hour ago, and, and he was just so happy for, for John Schneider and shared some of those similar stories. And 
John Schneider apparently is one of the first true Rowdy Red fans. Um, for those who are unfamiliar, in-game entertainment at Delta Dental Stadium, middle of the sixth inning, sumo wrestling, um, really spearheaded by head of uh, corporate promotions and marketing, Andrew Murray, and uh, cor- corporate corporate promotions and partnerships, I think. I'm, I'm getting the titles all mixed up, but he said that there was one time where uh, John Schneider knew the skit that was coming and saw that the trampoline wasn't out, went, got the trampoline, put it out where it needed to be, and then ran over to the third base coach's box uh, to, to coach his team. So, yeah, I, I've never met the guy. I've heard nothing but great things. And I know uh, bittersweet yesterday for the for Blue Jays fans and uh, a lot of mixed emotions, obviously, across the whole system and among the Toronto fans. But I do know one thing is that people love John Schneider and, and uh, a lot of the players are excited that he gets his chance. Is the Blue Jays mascot, did they call him Ace? Is it Ace? It's it's, it's an AT question for sure. It is Ace. And Leo, our producer, coming in with that good information as well. I don't know if we're going to get Ace bouncing off trampoline set out by the (laughs) Blue Jays skipper, but I'm so glad you brought up that story because that encapsulates everything that is so great about John Schneider. He's got everything going on as the manager of the 2018 Fisher Cats in terms of thinking about what's coming up next, but he still has the presence of mind to be in the moment. That's the thing that I love most about John. He is in the moment. He is always present. Even when you're having a conversation with him, it does not like seem like he's anywhere else but right there with you. And I think that is only going to be a successful part of his tenure as a manager because he's able to connect with these guys. He's got relationships, even with the players that did not come up through the system with him. He even saw last night after uh, Teoscar Hernandez, one of his homers, they had that great moment in the dugout. So I'm looking forward to what Schneis can bring to the table. And uh, the legacy continues, though. Now, all the pressure's on him because he's got the top job. He's got got the winning legacy in the minors. Obviously, the Blue Jays have made the commitment to him through the end of the season based on their statement yesterday. But uh, we shall see how things go at the big league level. But uh, you will catch me rooting hard for the Blue Jays, harder than ever before as the John Schneider era begins. And I'm glad you said what you said too, David. It is bittersweet because from everything that I've ever heard, read, seen, found out from people who've met him, Charlie Montoyo, a fantastic guy. The way he handled the tragic situation last week, speaks volumes to who he is as a person and you don't want to celebrate somebody losing their job losing their livelihood though i'm sure he'll be just fine Uh, but at the same time you know you got to balance those two emotions but like anything in life you take the good with the bad we can celebrate john schneider while still having love and respect for charlie montoyo and who knows how the rest of the season is going to go but certainly looking forward to seeing how the big leaguers can respond to a little bit of a change and i think if the blue jays do make the run that they're hoping to and and you know are competing deep into the playoffs into October over the next few years, people who really know the blue Jays will know that Charlie Montoyo has been huge getting those guys up from the minor leagues and, and adjusting them to the big league level. Um, and he might not be there to, to see all the success down the road, but I think people know that he was huge uh, with that foundation and, and building, you know, this young core that's so promising up at uh, Rogers center. Well, certainly a lot to look forward to. And as we wrap up another episode, The trade deadline is coming up, and this is something I know Leo Mui, our producer, wanted to get to. And talking a little bit about untouchables, maybe one or two guys, maybe a position player and a pitcher who, if you were the GM of the Blue Jays, you would say, this is a guy I am not trading for no matter what the deal might be coming back. Uh, AT and single A, anybody who strikes you as a potential uh, non-negotiable, an untouchable, if you will? I trust uh, Ross Atkins and uh, Mark Shapiro to make the right decisions for our organization. That's a company man right there. He knows where his bread is buttered. And when you work at the Blue Jays International Headquarters, 
you got to toe the company line. AT, time and time again, I applaud you for your ability to walk that line like a, a tightrope walker between the two tallest buildings in any given city. So, David, I'm going to pitch the same thing to you. You got a little bit of distance from the up, the higher ups, the uh, front office brass, if you will. Any untouchables on that double A roster? So last week, I would have said Spencer Horwitz. He got promoted to AAA and then was named International League Player of the Week. Uh, so I'll leave that one for Pat Malacaro. But I'm going to go with, for the pitchers, I'll say Zulueta. I know he's 24 and has dealt with his injuries. That's kind of slowed his growth and progression through the system. But what I've seen when he's on, he's made two starts with the Fisher Cats in his last one. He was just awesome. I mean, he looked really good. Fastball hit 100, according to the radar gun that we have at Delta Dental Stadium. Off speed is looking really sharp and, and sharper than it's ever been from, from what I've read. He's, I know he worked a lot on his slider um, when he was coming back from that ACL injury. As far as hitters, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to toe the company line here as best I can, but I'm going to go with the top hitting prospector, Elvis Martinez. The guy's third in the league in home runs with 19. Um, he's shown that his hand speed is unparalleled and, and he can smack balls. Um, he can cry. I mean, he hits balls so hard. It, it's really fun to watch. Uh, two home run game just last week. Um, working on getting that average up. He's right around 220 right now, but he's shown flashes as well of, of singles and doubles too. So I think that it's only the tip of the iceberg for Martinez as he's only 20 years old as well. I'm going to go with mine and try and put on my GM hat for a moment. And this is all just a fun mental exercise. So if anybody in the Blue Jays front office is, is listening, this is just for fun. This is just for fun. I would not say that Addison Barger is untouchable based on what's going on in the big leagues right now. There's a lot of infield talent. Also, we talk about what's going on in double A. I think there are guys who could play those middle infield positions or third base, and you could flip Barger for a piece that certainly could help the current club. And certainly that would be uh, in the bullpen or even in the starting rotation. So based on current big league need from my very uneducated perspective, I think Sam Robertson is an untouchable guy. I know he's the number seven Blue Jays prospect and you like to keep those guys, but at this, on the flip side, you see a guy like Austin Martin who got traded uh, as well to make sure that the uh, big league club could be reinforced. But for me, Sam has come all the way up through the system. He is one of the more advanced pitching minds, not just, I would say uh, in the Blue Jays system or in high A, but I would put him up against anybody between single A, high A, and double A in terms of understanding himself, his pitchability, and the way he can work through days when he doesn't have his best stuff. Now, last night, finally got back to the six-inning limit that we have certainly been used to seeing from him, had not gone six innings in nearly a month. A little bit of a midsummer hiccup, but Robertson with a quality start and earning the win, the first win by a Canadian starter since the last game of the first half when Jasper Zulueta got the W at Hillsborough on June 23rd. So, three weeks without a starter getting a win. There's some good there. There's some not so good there. But for me, Sam Robertson, he's a keeper at just 20 years old and somebody who next year, if things considered continue to progress and maybe he gets a little lucky, might make an appearance down the stretch if an opportunity presents itself. If uh, the Blue Jays need a guy who can locate his pitches, who can mix his fourth pitches very well, and somebody who never lets the moment get too big. I can't wait to see him on a big stage. And then in terms of the offense, I'm going to do what you did, David. I'm going to take a quick scan of the roster. But for me, Damiano Pomigiani, somebody who's really come on strong. I know we just lost Andrew Trifley down in Dunedin, but somebody who contributed immensely for the DJs. He had his first Nat Bailey homer yesterday to power that four-run inning that proved to be the difference. He's from Surrey, BC, just 25 minutes south of the ballpark. So the hometown kid hitting a homer last night, putting together some great numbers. And I'll give you another 
I actually think that uh, Leo Jimenez, another guy, even though he is a shortstop, this is somebody who a little bit younger than Addison Barger, a little bit farther away, who might not make as big of that impact immediately in the upper minors should he get traded to a new team. But uh, Leo, another guy who certainly has the respect of uh, all sorts of guys in the clubhouse. He is perfectly bilingual, has a great mental game about him. And not that Addison Barger doesn't. I actually think Addison could potentially right now get more in return than Leo Jimenez could. But if you play the long game, Leo is somebody who could certainly be a fixture in that infield for many years to come. So always love a little fun mental exercise. And uh, not that I often put my GM cap on, but uh, decors, I think you can agree. It's fun to sometimes uh, work these around a little bit. Oh yeah, no doubt. This is my, uh, this is my first time dabbling with it. And uh, I appreciate the guidance. Well, as we wrap it up, all-star break coming up, no all-star break last year. So it'll be great for everybody to get some time off. How are you spending your four days? I think I'm going to swing down to the Cape for a couple days uh, with the mom and sister. So we're going to uh, channel some of our older summers. I grew up just outside of Boston. So love Cape Cod um, would, would rent down there for a couple weeks and actually broadcast it in the Cape league for a couple seasons as well. So might uh might swing by and see a Cape League game. I actually know a few of the uh, Fisher Cats who are not going home and they're staying in New England or New Hampshire um, for the All Star break. A few of them are going to go down. Um, some some Cape League alums. I think Trent Palmer's going down um, with Nick Fraze. Maybe a couple others as well. So uh, that'll be cool to to relive some of those memories. And yeah, it should be nice. I'm hoping for for nice weather. Get a little tan on because I've been uh, shuttered in the press box as you know. I am with you on that. I'm going to do some camping down in Oregon with my fiance and some friends, an opportunity just to kind of hit the reset button up, down, left, and right. And certainly lots of excitement happening in the system, individual performance wise. And although the Fisher cats might be a little bit farther back than you'd like to see to start the second half, never say never. Yeah, no question. And and there's still plenty of time. They still have series against Portland and Somerset and Reading, all of whom are ahead of the Fisher cats right now in those second half standings. And it, it's the second half record that matters, right? So that that record and those games back are, are not too tall to climb and they just need to string together some uh, some series wins here. Well, D, as always, tell us where we can find the broadcast. I know it's AM610 WGIR, but hit us with it. Yeah, if you go to nhfishercats.com, we have a broadcast information tab. So all of our home games are on MILB.TV, of course. And then uh, News Radio 610 AM in Manchester. Also uh, Fox Sports 930 in the Seacoast region up in Portsmouth. Um, again, you can get those links and listen online on nhfishercats.com. Just look up broadcast information and you'll find our info right there. Fishercats in Reading until the All-Star break. Then they are home to take on the future Red Sox. You wouldn't know the future Red Sox were coming by going to nhfishercats.com. And please detect my sarcasm. But that'll be uh, the 22nd through the 24th. And they finish the month on the road at Convenience Store Stadium, Rabideau Stadium, uh, <laughs> the stadium formerly known as NYSEG in the parlor city of Binghamton, New York. And uh, certainly going to be watching from afar here in Vancouver as the Canadians wrap up their series with their former roommates, the Hillsborough Hops this week. Uh, if you're in Vancouver and you want tickets and you're not trying to come to Thursday night, but it's Friday through Sunday, we don't have them for you. Uh, that said, you could try. We don't recommend trying on the secondary market. Of course, call the morning of if you want to come to the Nat, but uh, looking forward to a sold out weekend here on a gorgeous forecast for the lower mainland. A little bit of rain in the forecast on Saturday, but a gorgeous day here now. And if you can't join us in person, of course, it's CanadiansBaseball.com, Sportsnet 650, and of course, MILB TV, as we get to show and tell you all about life here on Ontario Street. 
Well, hard to believe it, but we've come to another end of another episode of Around the Nest 2.0, Season 2, David Korzanowski, Andrew Trifley, and of course, Leo Mui. We'll get Pat Malacaro next week as we talk all things AAA Buffalo a couple of weeks from now. But gentlemen, as always, thanks for being a part of the nest. We're going to flap on to our weekend games, then the all-star break. So we'll see you on the other side. This has been another edition of Around the Nest. See you next time.